Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If he goes to another NBA team, he is going to be very good. If he comes to the Spurs, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Maybe the greatest of all time. Wow. Uh, you, know, you know why I say that, though? Uh, you just look at the history of our player development. I mean, you go down, down the line, you can start with David Robinson and Tim Duncan, you know, obvious number one picks, and you have the raw materials already there, the talent and the drive. But look a little farther down. Look at Tony Parker at 29. Look at Monte Ginobili at 50-something when we picked him. Look at Kawhi Leonard at 15. Wow. All the guys, Hall of Famer. Uh, look at what we did with DeJounte Murray at, at 29. He ended up being yeah. an all-star uh, before we traded him to Atlanta. So we've been, these last four years or so, we've been picking at the bottom of the draft, and it's a byproduct of having a lot of good years. Uh, but we've turned that talent into something. And, you know, I just feel like we have the best player development in the league. And I, I feel like we have the best uh, system. And we have culture. You know what I'm talking about, Cedric. Girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Ah. All right, it's another episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast. He is Cedric Maxwell. I am Joe Sway Pavone, and we have a very, very special guest here on the podcast, making his debut on the Cedric Maxwell Podcast. Spurs legend Sean Elliott, Spurs champion legend. His, his number hangs in the rafters in San Antonio, man. Sean Elliott, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Anything for Cedric, boy. I, I grew up watching this man play. You, you know what I mean? And, I got to hear I stories. And I didn't like the Celtics, boy. I just didn't like you guys because you were always beating my 76ers. It was always a good matchup. And I was a big Dr. J fan, Mo Cheeks. And, yeah, you know, the Celtics, they were, they were my nemesis team. Oh, my God. <laughs> It was out of respect, yeah. though. It was out of respect. Wow. I find it hard you saying that. But, boy, you told me something. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get right to it because it's stuck in my mind for probably a couple of months now. Uh, San Antonio's playing Boston in Boston. And you talked about the first pick in the draft. And could you just go back over what you told me? Because it stuck with me. You're like, if he, come, if he goes to another NBA team, he is going to be very good. If he comes to the Spurs, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, maybe the greatest of all time. Wow! Uh, you know, you know why I say that though. Uh, you just look at the history of our player development. I mean, you go down, down the line. You can start with David Robinson 
and Tim Duncan, you know, obvious number one picks, and you have the raw materials already there, the talent and the drive. But look a little farther down. Look at Tony Parker at 29. Look at Monte Ginobili at 50-something where we picked him. Look at Kawhi Leonard at 15. Wow. All the guys, Hall of Famers. Uh, look at what we did with DeJounte Murray at, at 29. He ended up being yeah. an all-star uh, before we traded him to Atlanta. So we've been, these last four years or so, we've been picking at the bottom of the draft, and it's a byproduct of having a lot of good years. Uh, but we've turned that talent into something. And, you know, I just feel like we have the best player development in the league. And I, I feel like we have the best uh, system and we have culture. You know what I'm talking about, Cedric. We have culture here. Not every team has culture. When you think about uh, organizations that have culture, you think about the Spurs, think about the Miami Heat. Then you have yeah. to start stretching a little bit for teams that, continue to do things the right way year after year after year and, and they stick to their principles instead of you know switching coaches after two or three years because they don't get it done uh you know switching out players giving up on young players which is maybe my biggest pet peeve that happens around the league you draft a guy that's 19 years old and two or three years later you're getting rid of him because he hadn't led you to the championship i mean <laughs> give me a break and so you know we just have stability here uh, we have a lot of guys that he can, uh, you know, fall back on and talk to. Uh, you know, there's David, Timmy, uh, Manu is a consultant with the team. He's always around. And so those guys are going to always be around to lend advice, uh, be there for him if if he, you know, ever reaches out or he needs anything. And I just didn't see the rest of the teams that were around and that had a chance to get him have those type of resources, that type of track record. One well, of the things, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Way. No, go I was going to say real quick. I'm, I'm really glad you said that because when I first, when I found out the same, when you, we all found out, when San Antonio's going to have the number one pick, I thought, you know what? It's been a while. You know, it's been about 20 years that they had a, a pick like that. Because, like you said, they're getting these late first rounders, second rounders, and, and blossoming them into into right. the stars. But they hadn't had a number one pick like this. So I was just really way, happy. Yeah, just going way. To that give Give me a break, okay, about San Antonio <laughs> not having lucky picks. You know, you I get mean, David Robinson, then you turn around and get Tim Duncan. Give me give me a break. That these was 20 years ago, man. These guys have been good, <laughs> and they've also been lucky. And that and you yeah. can't, you know, you can't compromise on how good they are. Another thing, they're the only game in town. And I think that helps yeah. out their system because they don't have – and then, obviously, you have Greg Popovich who has been a, a mentor, a genius, has done it in his own way. But, man, that that whole San Antonio thing, man, it doesn't irk me. I'm not a hater. I'm a congratulator when it comes to that. <laughs> but I, I also look at Tim Duncan, and I told him, uh, it must have been about three or four years ago, I saw Tim Duncan going on the court, and that was when the Celtics had an opportunity to get the first pick in the draft with Rick Pitino. Tim Duncan walks on the court. And I tell Tim Duncan, I said, there you go. There go three or four of my damn rings right there because you didn't come here. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me, he just he just started laughing, but it was like, but I I I, I love what San Antonio brings to the to the poor and what they have. But it just seems so unusual that you guys could go through that ugly stretch the way you did, and the damn coin comes up San Antonio mm -hmm. again. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. Serendipity is what we've heard a few people say. Uh, 
you know, it, it's uh, it's hard to fathom that you get in those three years where you have three, you know, franchise changing players and you come up with the number one pick. You know, I can't explain it, but, you know, if you look at uh, the last 20 years or so of, I think Cleveland's had, what, three number one picks? Yeah. Uh, you know, there have been other teams that have had multiple number one picks. Uh, maybe it wasn't uh, a generational player, but, you know, they had their opportunities to uh, turn their franchises around. And you see a lot of those teams still in the lottery. I mean, uh, Houston had the third pick last year and the second pick the year before. They're still in the lottery. Detroit had the first pick three years ago, 10th pick last year. They're still in the lottery. You know, I can't say that if we – I can say that if we had those same opportunities – we wouldn't have had that chance this year because, again, I feel like we do more with our players. And mm -hmm. we, we really know how to draft as well. He told me a story, Josue, which was so cool, and he had me laughing. Uh, he tells me – he's sitting there, Sean tells me how when they got the draft pick and it came up that they were number one, he tells me his wife and – he and his wife were upstairs. And how would you go with that story, Sean? What did you say? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, we – I mean – it was, it was tension. I mean, it was high drama in this house. And when uh, Charlotte came up at number two, I picked my wife up. I picked her up. I was slapping her. And uh, we were yelling something. I mean, it was just craziness. I mean, but everybody was around town. You saw the reaction videos. I, and we came downstairs and the housekeeper was like, is everything okay? <laughs> no, we were fighting up there. It was, it was nuts. It was a madhouse. Uh, man, I, just where you go ahead, you ask him a couple questions. Well, you call him a future Hall of Famer. I mean, guys, obviously, you've seen the tape. We saw what happened last night. It was it was his draft. It was no no surprise that he went number one overall. What about his game in particular? And of course, I'm sure there's a few things, but to you, what's the, what what stands out the most about him that that makes you say that's a Hall of Famer? If he goes through the San Antonio Spurs system, then that's a Hall of Famer one day. Everything. Uh, you know, on the offensive end of the floor, I know that, you know, some people are enamored with him shooting the three ball and the way he handles it and the way he moves. I like the fact that uh, he can uh, facilitate, he can make his uh, his teammates better on that end of the floor. I love the fact that he dunks everything in the paint. If you watch enough of his highlights and his tape, every time he catches the ball anywhere near the basket, he's throwing it down. He's dunking. And, I, and I, I've said numerous times on our telecast that dunks beget dunks. That means if you dunk hard on somebody and you keep dunking the basketball, guys are going to get out of your way. No one wants to get dunked on in this league. You go in there and you mean business, it's going to create easier opportunities for you. Yeah. Uh, no so, one wants to be on Instagram and be on right, a, a reel. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. one or two times you go in there, beginning of the game, you let yourself – you know, you let everybody know that you're there and everything you catch in the paint, you're going to throw it down. People are going to get out of the way. You're not going to have people, you're not going to have guys get so brave anymore trying to block shots. No one wants to, to like you said, be on YouTube or Instagram. Uh, so he finishes everything in the paint, uh, left hand, right hand. He's got great touch. He's got great footwork. And, you know, I've heard also you know, people say, well, he's got to bulk up. But, you know, Cedric, this is, you know, this is not the 80s or 90s anymore. Yeah. This isn't wrestling that that happens to have a basketball on the court. That That's not the way this game is played anymore. It's not physical, uh, as physical. 
And so you can definitely get away with being, you know, 220 or 230. And he's probably, he's only 19 years old. He's probably going to put on 20 more pounds, even if he tries not to. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to, his body type to me is going to be just fine. Uh, And that's just on the offensive end of the floor. On the defensive end of the floor, he blocks everything. He blocks everything. He can cover, you know, a, a, a tremendous amount of space. I saw a video where, you know, guards get in the, in the paint and you see them all the time where they use the rim to protect their shot. They play a little cat and mouse game. Am I going to put up on the left side? Am I going to put up on the right side of the rim to keep it away from the shot blocker? Well, big fella, he covered both sides of the rim. He's got so much rain. There was a guard came in there trying to play this little cat and mouse game and both sides of the rim were closed. Both like, sides of the glass were closed. Pick one. You know, that, that's like if you – you're playing pick and roll and, and if a guard gets in the paint, how is he going to get his shot off? You know, mm-hmm. he can, he can, uh, you know, he can space shooters on the floor and still block their shot. And so if you're an offensive player, that's in the back of your mind the whole time, because you're wondering how am I going to get this shot off with this big dude lurking in the paint area? This episode of Cedric Maxwell podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to join today. What I love most about FanDuel is not only the in-game betting, but the spreads, parlays, the different kinds of ways for you to make money. And it's fast, easy, and it goes right into your account. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademark used with permission. 21 plus and president in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. One thing I see about San Antonio, and, and I've always thought this is the biggest thing, was the fact that your players, your best players, deferred to the coach. And the coach kind of deferred to the best players. And because of that, there was a hierarchy. And it went that way. And if he could yell at Tim Duncan, everybody else felt like, oh, well, you know what? I got to fall in line. Right. This kid seems like he's going to have the same kind of approach dealing with Greg Popovich. I, I don't think there's any question. You know, the, he's already indicated that he wants Pop to coach him, to coach him. And what I mean by that is, you know, coach him like Tony Parker got coached. And the way Timmy got coached and, and Tony, we had this discussion a while back. We be, believe Tony was the all time number one whipping boy. And, and you know, what, you know, <laughs> you got what it I bad in the beginning, that. right? Yeah. yeah. Through in the beginning, for sure. I mean, I, I told a story yesterday or a couple of days ago, Avery Johnson, and I did an appearance and, you know, the year I retired, I was calling games for the Spurs, but I would get to the arena early and work out. I was keeping myself in shape, shower, get dressed. And, and then I'd listen to them at halftime while I was calling the game and then come out, call the rest of the game. And we were in the old Continental Airlines arena. And I went in at halftime and 
those walls were really thin. There was the players' locker room and then the coaches' locker room. I went in the coaches' locker room and I could listen to the halftime talk and Pop was going off. I mean, when I say he was going off, he was going off on Tim, Tony, and Manu. He was saying, oh, wow. holy stuff. And, and he was challenging those guys like, I mean, like a drill sergeant. And, and you know, people, I hear players say, oh, I want to play for Pop. And I say, you know, are you mentally tough enough? Because wow. he's not going to kiss anybody's ass. It doesn't matter. You know, he didn't do that with Timmy. If Timmy made a mistake, he was on him like he was the 12th guy on the team. And so, mm. the, you know, if the 12th guy sees that, you can't sit up there and complain. You know what I mean, Cedric? And yeah. I had one coach, Hank Egan, told me something really profound one time. He said, it's, it's not hard to coach one through five. It's harder to coach six through 12, six through 15, because those guys that sit on the bench, you know, half of them, and you've been on teams like this, there are guys sitting there going, oh, you know, coach isn't playing me enough. And, you know, coach is getting on me, coach is picking on me, you know, and that's why he's not playing me. And you have guys there complaining on the end of the bench. And those guys are the guys that are unhappiest most of the time. The starters are starters. They're happy. But if you no. coach them all the same, these guys, six through 15, they can't complain. If coach yells at Timmy Duncan, who's a Hall of Famer and the best player in the league, he can certainly get on your butt. Wow. I mean, I just see the thing I do love about San Antonio is because it's the only game in town. The enthusiasm for your new player coming in is just it's like off out off the roof. I mean, I'm looking at the Alamo. I'm looking at all these places. And, you know, you got his picture here and there. And mm. it's like it's just it's contagious right now. And it's almost fever pitch right now. And the kid hasn't even played one game yet. Yeah. They're, they're already lining up at the airport for him. So they, they are. Wow. There's a big prospect since LeBron James. The yeah, they're waiting for him to land today. Uh, when I first got here in 89, you know, the players told me it's a player's town. And the fans love the players. Uh, they love them to death. That's why I'm still here. David's still here. Tim is here. Antonio Daniels is here. Manu's mm -hmm. here. Tony goes back and forth between uh, France and here. Uh, you have a lot of form. George Ice is here. George Gervin's here. Uh, you have a lot of the uh, players that played in the 70s and 80s that have made San Antonio their home because it is a unique environment. You know, the the, the people are tremendous, great people. Uh, they love their Spurs team, and and they just always treat the players with a lot of respect in the community. Well, you, you say that, and – you know, let me tell you this, and I'm look at you right now. You tell George Gervin to put down some of that Mexican food. And George Gervin, <laughs> George Gervin is 300 pounds. I saw I'll tell I, I I'll let him know. You're not, you're not ice right now. He's a damn that ice right no now. That's my guy. And that's one of the first, and the, and the really funny thing about it, the first time I was in the league, my first game was in San Antonio, playing mm -hmm. against the Spurs. I scored my first basket on George Gervin. He looks at me and says, nice, nice move, young fella. And then the next thing he said to me, too bad they got another end of the floor. I was like, I was like <laughs> what do you think? And he work. I was like, I've never seen nothing like that before. Oh, I bet Ice was the best trash talker. Yeah, he I, seemed I, like a talker. I don't know. Kind. You I know, speaking of that. dynasties. Oh, sorry, go, go ahead, Max. 
No, anyway. oh, I'm thinking of the San Antonio's dynasties. I'm thinking of you know, how many times they, they, they ran it back and the, all those championships. And, and obviously, this is the very, very beginning. But I'm looking at another team that's trying to stretch out their last run. And that's the, the Golden State Warriors. And I'm wondering what you think about this trade that just went down. Them trading for, you know, trading, trading away pool, getting someone like Chris Paul in the mix. I mean, Max and I, we haven't talked much about the trades that's gone down this week. So I guess we could start there. But I would love to hear your take on it, uh, about the Golden State Warriors uh, acquiring Chris Paul. And what does that mean for their uh, championship window, so to speak, with obviously Draymond Green is still a question mark at this point, but how do you think that that looks right now from the outside? I like it, actually. I, I do like it for them. Uh, I, I think you you can put him on the floor with Steph Curry, with Clay Thompson, with Draymond Green, uh, because you know Clay Thompson he can guard the the three position, yeah, big enough where he can guard uh, small forwards, and again. This isn't the 80s and 90s where every small forward that I guarded in the early 90s posted up. They went to the low block on you, right? So that's not happening anymore. So right. you, you know, Clay Thompson can get away at that three spot if you decide to do that. And uh, Chris Paul is a terrific facilitator. He's a terrific passer, and he's got high basketball IQ. And so, you know, you could run him out there. I, I heard a discussion earlier today said, well, he's going to be a backup to Curry and how it's going to, you know, maybe he is. We'll see how Golden State decides to, to play him. But you can put him on the court with Steph Curry at the same time because Steph also does a great job moving without the basketball. Yeah. He's not always a guy who's coming down, coming off picking rolls and making plays. He moves well without the ball. And so if he gets that crack of daylight, he's moving well and he's open. Chris Paul is the man to get him the ball. So you have, you know, both Chris Paul and Draymond Green that are great passers and that can feed him and Clay Thompson. And not only that, Chris Paul uh, in his prime, he's not in his prime anymore, but to me, when I saw him early, he was one of the best point guard defenders I had ever seen. And so he can still get it done enough or adequately on the defensive end of the floor to help them and, and maybe uh, better defensively than Jordan Poole is, you know, because again, he has high basketball IQ and he knows the game. So to me, I think the Warriors got better with that move. Looking, looking from the outside, looking in, how did you feel about the Celtics making the trade with Marcus Smart? That was, uh, you know, I'm mixed on that one to be, to be honest with you, because really, uh, yeah, I'm mixed. Uh, I because think Max I is like, too. We haven't spoken about it, but go ahead. Yeah, you know, you guys are, I, I feel like the Celtics, you guys are guard heavy. Uh, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, I thought was a tremendous pickup for you. I know Marcus Smart's a great defender, uh, but I'm wondering if there's other things that go along with him in the locker room or between the head coach. That that it was my initial thought process. Mm. And the second part of that was, uh, I've seen Chris Daps Porzingis play really well here. I've seen him you know, destroy us more than a few times. And I feel like if he's in the right system and the right organization with players around him that he respects and that are going to push him uh, and that he feels like he's a part of it, he can be an incredibly valuable asset, you know, because he can shoot it. He can play with his back to the basket. He can play in the paint a little bit. And so, you know, I think it's going to, uh, it, it's going to take the right situation for him. And we've seen players throughout the years that uh, have taken a while to find the right home. They've you know, moved on to two or three teams and then they finally find a place where they're comfortable. And if that's the situation in Boston, then Porzingis can be a real weapon for you guys. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure because I, I just think he he checks a lot of the boxes for the Celtics in terms of interior scoring. I mean, even though that's not a big part of the NBA, he can do that for you. He can protect the rim. He can stretch the floor with his three-point shot. I mean, it fits the Celtics system. You know, right. it, it just... It just surprised a lot of uh, Celtics fans here because of the initial report was all about Brogdon going to the Clippers. And once that fell through, it just seemed like the type of deal where Brad Stevens said, look, I want to get this guy. I can't let this fall through. And in that final hour before midnight, because of that deadline, uh, Porzingis' uh, contract extension deadline, he was pushed against it. He was up against it, up against the clock, and he made a decision. And look, it's got to be something to be said about that. I think it showed a lot yeah. of guts for Brad Stevens to pull this move, which is easily the most controversial trade he's made since he's, since he, you know, got the job. Yeah. But, but Brad Stevens, I think he's proven himself. I, I think he's proven to everybody that he's knows exactly what he's doing. He's extremely yeah. competent. Uh, he's, yeah, I mean, you know, fans get caught up in second guessing, you know, pretty much every move. But when you look at a guy like Brad Stevens, I mean, I think if people are in Boston are upset, I think you just take a deep breath and relax for a second because the man knows what he's doing. And obviously he's on the inside and he's got firsthand knowledge of what's best for his team. You know what? I'm going to go back in the the past machine. You made me upset when you start talking about Duncan because I used to guard Dr. (laughs) J. Yeah, I was getting out the way. I had to get out the way, Sean, because when he's coming, I didn't want to be on some kid's poster in his bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) But I do want to ask you, I want you to take us back to what I think, and and a lot of people in San Antonio feel, was one of the greatest shots in the NBA. When you made your shot with your toes, your, your back of your heels were almost out of bounds. Run us through that play and tell us a little bit about it because people, I'm sure, in San Antonio still walk up to you right now and talk about yeah. that shot. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it all the time. I get it all the time. I could be in the, the store. I can be at the gas station. I can be uh, wherever. It doesn't matter. Uh, I hear uh, about it, you know, two, three, four, five times a month sometimes. Where, and people wow. tell me where they were when I made that <laughs> shot. And, and, you know, the, the thing about it is, you know, you're not a San Antonio fan. You kind of don't understand the, the whole history behind that because, uh, you know, you go back to 89-90, we had a, a good team, made it to the second round, uh, lost to Portland in seven games in Portland, had them, had them at third place. We had them beaten, would have gone to the Western Conference Finals, and we are playing the Phoenix Suns, and we were 4-0 against them that year. So we were thinking we were going to the Finals. That was my mm-hmm. rookie year. Second year, we get upset in the first round by Golden State. Third year, David Robinson's hurt. We get swept by the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Fourth year, Charles Barkley hit the shot on us, and we lose in, in six. Uh, my wow. fifth year, sixth year in the league, we had the best record in the league, Cedric, played the Houston Rockets uh, six times during the regular season, beat them five out of six. Beat them wow. five out of six, beat them in an exhibition game. We'd beaten them six out of seven times that season. 
and lost to him in the Western Conference Finals when Akeem went crazy. We had the best record in the league. Next year, we had the best record in the league. Got upset by Utah in the second round. Then we had a little downturn. We got Timmy well, hold on real quick, Sean. See, Celtics fans, it's it's not as bad. You know what I mean? They they, they like to complain and cry. They're like right. it could be it could be a lot worse for a lot longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we so we found ways to continually let our fans down, and and you know because we had these high expectations, and so in that series again, now we had the best record in the league that year, and Portland had outplayed us in Game One. They could have won Game One. We just eat that one out, and then they were thoroughly outplaying us again in Game Two. But we made a comeback. But you could feel it in the air where people were like, okay, here we go again. Mm. We go again. We get our expectations. We get our hopes up. And this team's going to let us down again. And so I think when I made that shot, we all, as a team, we we said, all right, this is our time. And then the fans were like, hey, we're going to really do it this time. We are going to get over the hump. And so that's why the sh- that's why I still – you know, have people come up to me you know, all the time. And it's like, I, I feel like I've met everybody in the arena because everybody tells me their reaction. <laughs> See, like, you know what kills me about shots like that is the fact that everybody you meet says that they were there. You couldn't have been there, dude. You're five years old. <laughs> you couldn't have been there. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> you watch that on TV. Don't say yeah. that. Right. right. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, you you do feel you do we we feel so honored. We're we're not gonna hold you. We won't let we'll let you go because you're probably tired from your golf game you told us about. But man, it yeah, is a hundred out there, right? A pleasure joining us because we wanted to hear a little bit about, you know, the 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 Superman which is coming to San Antonio and you've been lighting us so well and and again, those words still hang in my, they come in my ear all the time. When I was talking to you that day, you said, if and back, and he comes to San, he goes to another team, he is going to be really good. But if he comes to San Antonio, he might be the best of all time. And and, and that stuck with me. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. And I, I do appreciate your time, your patience yeah. with I, I firmly believe that. And I'm, I'm excited. It's one of the first times in, a long time that I can't wait for the season to start. So I'm already ready. All right, well, Sean, before we let you go, real quick, give me a, give me a favorite uh, Mac story because I don't always get this perspective from someone who could give me a good Mac story that's not from that's not told by Max. I, I can't <laughs> I, I I can't give you a good Mac story. All I can say is, like I said earlier, I mean, he was my nemesis, and he was always what, weren't you always waving a towel and. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was car was waving the towel. You always get that. I love it. <laughs> no, he was, you know, I just, oh, the Celtics, like, oh, I just drove me crazy. Larry Bird, I, man, couldn't stand that man. Uh, Kevin McHale was all right. And, you know, it, it's crazy when you get now, when, or when you meet everybody and, and you get to know people. And, you know, I can't call Cedric Cornbread. 
you know, because that was I knew that was your nickname. No, you can. Yeah. Yes, you okay. can. And then you know, you meet Dan. Yeah, I met and talked to Danny Ainge a lot, and then you know Kevin McHale. You know, got a chance to talk with him a few times, and just all like really cool dudes. You know what I mean? And and so my hate wasn't justified. It was just that you know, I when you're beating my Sixers, that was bothering me. But <laughs> other than that, I appreciate all those guys. I, you know, a lot, a lot of good players, a lot of good people have gone through that organization. Yeah, last uh, week we had, again, uh, we had we had we had a Celtics beat writer Gary Washburn on, right for the Boston Globe, and he same same type of energy because he grew up a Lakers fan, grew up in California watching yeah. Max, and he's like, man, I couldn't stand you guys. He always reminds yeah. Max of that. So yeah, I love hearing that. Sean, I appreciate it. Again, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, Spurs legend, Spurs champion, Sean Elliott, joining us here on the Cedric Maxwell podcast. Thanks again, man. All right, anytime.